Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Icy Cocktails. I'm Zach. And I'm Aaron. And today we have a great show for you. All about Amaro. Yes. Now, I suspect... Is episode the, 5 already? I guess it is. Yeah, it is. Totally. I, I know this because I posted episode 4 yesterday. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing the first question that most people are ha- going to have is, what is Amaro? Uh, so, Amaro is the Italian version of a bitter liqueur. Um, they are usually made either from fortified wines or from a uh, neutral spirit, and they are lots of herbs and spices and tons and tons and tons and tons of things added to them that no one will ever tell you the full recipe for any given amaro. And uh, it literally means bitter, so it has a little bit of a bitter flavor. Um, okay. Now, these amaros, is these th- are these things that you drink on their own? Do you add them to cocktails? Like, what's the uh, yes. proper method? Uh, so, I, it, with as with most Europeans, uh, the Italians, they drink their... Anything and everything as often as they can? Well, not just that, but I was going to say they often drink, like, their alcohol neat, right? Like, mm-hmm. or, or with, I mean, traditional, it would be either neat or on the rocks with some sort of citrus wedge um, or, you know, citrus garnish of some sort. Did you ever wonder why grapefruit doesn't land as a garnish more often? Um, Mostly the horrible flavor of grapefruit, I suspect, but... Well, you can get, like, red grapefruit, right? Mm-hmm. And like I, I've actually had candied grapefruit as a... Uh, um, you know, well, decoration. Talking, like, it's funny because like I've had like three drinks recently that all use grapefruit as a uh, as a garnish. Hmm. Um, like the Hemingway daiquiri uses a grapefruit as a garnish. Um, I make a really interesting dessert with grapefruit that has sugar, like caramelized sugar, because you bake it, and a whole bunch of uh, butter and uh, Angostura bitters. You had me at butter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Amaros. Pretty much you can drink them anyway. You can drink them on the rocks. You can use them as a, uh element in a cocktail. Yeah, the most traditional thing would be using them, drinking them on the rocks. Like, that's how they would do it in, in Italy. And is um, there a certain time they would do this? Is this a pre-dinner, post-dinner, during dinner? Uh, so, it depends on the Amaro in question. Most Amaros are digestives. Um, so, that would be, or they're labeled as a, as a digestive. How's the Italian phrase? Digestivo. Yeah, I don't know. Nice. Phones ringing and everything. That is super cool. You just want to pause the show here while you take a break? Yeah, go ahead. I I mean, we're not doing anything. Turn the volume off. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, smart ass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I don't even remember how to say that now. I'm going to have to look it up. And this one, of course, doesn't actually say it on here which one it is. But they, anyways, there's either you either drink them before or after. Generally okay. speaking, there's either an aperitif which would be drunk before. The idea being, it warms you up. It warms you up and opens up your palate some and, and gets you ready for eating copious amounts of food. Mm-hmm. And then the digestive is like you take it afterwards to help with digestion. It's like the little mint, just to make everything taste yummy. Yeah, kind of. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, like traditionally it'd be either before or after, depending on which Amaro you're drinking. And then, um, so does that say there's a different, or there's different classes of Amaro, some that are made more as for uh pre and some that are more for post? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever been able to like decipher what the reason is for one versus the other. Um, hmm. like, I don't, I don't know whether or not, uh, 
certain herbal components make it more for before or after. Um, there's there's a number of cocktails that are pretty popular or famous from them as well. Um, so like then Americano uh, is that's coffee and water. Yeah, uh, there's there's no amaro uh, in that. Yeah, there's a cocktail that's called an Americano that's mm. with Campari nope, and wrong. sweet vermouth and soda water. So mm, that could be good. Actually, they are pretty tasty, especially if you like. I mean, if you like Campari or anything bitter, then you will like amaros. Campari is. If you haven't had a whole lot of Amaros yet, Campari is a hard one to start with because it is definitely on the far end of the bitter scale. So it's basically like trying to start with an IPA. Kind of. Like if yeah. you're interested in beer, you definitely do not start in IPAs. You start in the Hefts or... Uh, well, I mean, you could start with IPAs. You just wouldn't start with any IPA made in the Northwest. That's a good point. <laughs> right. I mean, if you take it any other location in the in, in you know the United States or the Where world... Where you're probably not going to get socked in the mouth by your beer. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, good plan. So if there, where is a good place to start for Amaro's? What's uh, like something that everybody can find in their grocery store that would actually give them a good feel for what uh, what they're getting into? Um, there's two things. There's two that I really like. Uh, one is Aperol, um, which I somewhat jokingly call uh, Campari Light. Um, not in a bad way like Bud Light, but um, just it's not as bitter. It has more flavor to it. Uh, it's definitely a more refreshing drink, in my opinion. Um, the other one that I have a, a that I like a lot of is the uh, Ramazzotti, um, which is the other end of the spectrum as far as it's a little bit thicker, syrupy flavor um, or texture rather, not flavor. Um, and it's also uh, a, it's a darker, more herbal tasting. Um, it's just really tasty. Okay. Um, and, neither and of those are overly bitter, in my opinion. So Now, what are we talking alcohol content-wise here? Depends on the style. Um, they're usually anywhere from, at the the lightest end, you could think of something around maybe 18%. Okay. And at the highest, I think I've seen somewhere around 40%. Um, so we're talking definitely a lot lighter than any spirit. Right, so you could sip on this all afternoon long and not really have any issues. Depending on how you make them, yeah. Like, Aperol Spritz is another, like, classic drink that you'll find all over um, Italy that is essentially, I don't know, I kind of jokingly call it a all-alcohol mimosa. I'm sold. Because it's three parts Prosecco, two parts uh, Aperol, and then one part soda water, which... Isn't technically alcohol. I, yeah, I get that. But um, are you sure? I'm positive. I get okay. that. Okay, you can I mean, skip we'll the text, water if we'll you test want. Test later and see if you can actually tell what's alcohol and what isn't. <laughs> uh, it depends how much we're drinking before we have this test. Test becomes easier then. It's all alcohol <laughs> or constituent elements of some kind of alcohol. Fair enough. The one interesting thing about Amaro is that uh, they're a very old style liqueur. Um, and a, a lot of them will claim to have not had a change in recipe since the 19th century. Um, wow. And they're pretty highly guarded as far as what they'll say is inside them. So, like, oftentimes the label doesn't really tell you anything other than the name. Like, almost nothing but right. the name. There's no I, no comment about what the flavor profile is going to be like. There's nothing at all to give you any sort of context of what this is. 
And of course the back doesn't, it's not required to put any ingredients on there. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't. And like you have to kind of guess. So you said that, uh, uh, Amaro's come from Italy, but Mm -hmm. I assume that other folks are manufacturing them nowadays, or is it really just a, is this a champagne type situation where other folks can make digestives, but they can't call them Amaro's? So Amaro is almost exclusively limited to the uh, Italian range. Um, it is the Italian word for this class of alcohol. Um, Germany makes a variation of it, um, but they call it, you know, some German word. That's tried to invade France at least twice. <laughs> no? Uh, I, I don't know if that's the case, right? You know, like as far as the alcohol goes. Uh, well, you just mean as the country? Then yes. Sure, well, that's dozens yeah. of times this week alone. But. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Germany has their own brand. Hungary... Um, a lot of other, like France has their own, um, it's, some are more well-known than others. I mean, vermouth is a, is a technically the same type of alcohol as an Amaro and there isn't a vermouth style of Amaro. Um, Hmm. but there's also, you know, French vermouths. um, Right. And again, it's still the same style. Um, it's just, you know, called something slightly different, um, Probably one of the funnier ones that actually fits in this category from Germany that people don't really realize is Jägermeister. Why do people like Jägermeister? I actually kind of enjoy it now. I hated it for the longest time. Uh, and so, of course, all of the like crazy, let's do shots of Jägermeister or Jäger bombs or Jäger and... Red Bull and all the other things you could possibly do to make this a horrible thing even worse. Um, so here's the thing. Anytime you take anything in Red Bull, that you just should not drink. Period. End of story. Because Red Bull is disgusting. Oh, I thought you were going to go with the whole like heart palpitations of a... No, nah, that doesn't bother me. Depressant and a stimulant at the same it's, time. It's more just the flavor that's disgusting and Oh, awful. yeah. yeah it's, I'm... Uh, anytime you have bomb in the name of whatever it is you're drinking... Yeah, you're probably made with cheap, crappy foods. What if it's foods. the bomb? No. <laughs> that, no. It's a classy show, man. <laughs> Tighten it up over there. Yeah, I think really my big problem with Jägermeister is, uh, A, every time I've had it, there's been a drunken 50-year-old going, let's do Jäger bombs. And you're like, no, dude, we're not going to do that. Like, well, you, you could do that, but I would like to be able to walk later and not have this horrible flavor in my mouth all day long. Or the other time I had it, we tried to have Jägermeister like at a team event, and somebody brought oh, out a bottle go of Jägermeister that was like, "We are bestowing this gift upon you, other team. Now let's share this." And it wasn't chilled, so it was warm Jägermeister, which okay. Jägermeister does actually taste less appalling when it's cold. Well, part of that is just because any time that you make something cold, you are reducing how much of an aroma it produces. So, which is a good thing. I'm laughing partially just because of the idea that you don't like Jägermeister and its, its primary flavor is black licorice, and yet you like absinthe. Well, yes, because absinthe is good. Well, yeah, I just it's the same flavor, though. I mean, like, it's not. I get that, but it's the same. If it was the same flavor, same it would be base, called the same thing. Same base. Same base is what I meant, but whatever. Yeah, but, like, tomato sauce is the base for a lot of different styles of food, right? That's a fair point. Just because it starts there doesn't mean it's going to end in a good spot. That's kind of funny because, like, I kind of feel that way about vodka. I use it for all of my, like, making of bitters mm-hmm. and things like that, and I never make a cocktail with it. Uh, so it's only recently that I've started using vodka myself, 
And that's because for the longest time, vodka was just, bleh. and like, <laughs> here's the thing. When I'm having a, a, a cocktail vodka still kind of is that, but well, yeah, but like I'm looking for bringing together different flavors Flavor? that can yeah. actually make a drink that makes me or somebody else go, Ooh, that's yummy. Yeah. Um, vodka as near as I could tell was basically a get you drunk drink, right? You could dump it in anything and boom, drunk. That that's a fair observation. It's a great marketing like tool and, and boom, and, drunk. Yeah, buy my vodka. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally making that commercial. Um, wait, can you actually just make commercials for products that don't exist? There's uh, got to be a YouTube channel for that. I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm looking for that when we get done with this. It may take me another three months to post the podcast because of it. Um, <laughs> but I was uh, one of my buddies who grew up in Germany. Uh, we were sitting on the porch one night, a couple bottles in, and he's like, dude, next time you're at the store, you've got to buy this vodka. This vodka is the greatest vodka ever. I'm like, well, that's awesome. Yay. Like, sure, I'll try. It's actually pretty good. It has a... What type of vodka is it? Uh, it comes in a square container. <laughs> it's got a red label. It's from Poland. These are honestly the descriptions that he gave me to buy it at the store because he couldn't remember the name. All right. Fair enough. I was just, I just feel like, is it like a grain or is it a potato vodka? It's a grain vodka. Okay. So it's got a little more flavor. It's still a very light flavor to it, but it uh, actually kind of brings something to the party other than drunk. You're breaking my head there, but okay. Yeah, but okay. We're moving a little off topic. (laughs) Never. And we haven't even gotten to the good part of today's topic, have we? We haven't, no. Are I, we? Is there any more uh, history or um, lies that we're making up and claiming our history that we want to give people? Um, let me think. No. Okay, I can't good. think of anything. So today we are going to do uh, something new and inventive for our podcast. It was a random idea that just kind of took fruition. So Yes, and I'm going to um, go ahead and give credit to Aaron on this one. We are actually going to be taste testing different Amaros. And describing what we taste and what we, how we feel about it without using words like uh, good and yummy. Yeah, that was my, that was my statement. Because whenever I've asked you, how does this taste, your response always goes, this is yummy. And I'm like, that's not very descriptive to anyone who wants to try and go and try this. It's yummy. That's great. But like, how would you describe uh, it? I would describe it as yummy making. <laughs> All right. Well, you can use yummy if it's a good one and i don't know what word you'll want to use if it's a bad one but you still have to use other words to describe it well here's the thing i'm not going to say any of them are bad per se because they might want to uh, sponsor us on the show <laughs> so i will just say things like yeah not my style yeah. i like them more different you know more different taste good yeah. okay so how do you want to do this do you want to uh because well, it looks like you bought a number of bottles i brought five okay you got five bottles over there um so do you I want was, to grab a bottle? Uh, I assume you have some that start at the uh, easier and get more uh, bitter as we go through it. Well, I was trying to decide on that, right? Like, do we go with like the easy, more bit, or like the standards, or what? So, so I'm just gonna kind of go randomly. Okay, I'm just gonna put this out there. Usually, when you're tasting wines, you start with the more easygoing stuff and move your way to the more um, flavorful. That way your palate doesn't get shot early and not be able right, to taste so finer nuance. With that statement, I will do my best to uh, put it together in that format. So Awesome. We'll start with the first one that's probably going to be the lightest of those flavors, in my opinion. Okay. Now, while Aaron um, grabs this, I'm going to describe what I'm seeing. He's got a uh, bottle 
It's a clear glass. It's shaped sort of like an old school whiskey jug. And it says Amaro Nonino on it. And it's got some uh, a nice amber looking liquid in it. It looks like something I would drink if it were a whiskey. We'll see how we do if it's an Amaro. Okie dokie. Is there any uh, appropriate protocol to uh, consuming this? Like if there's things... Oh, hold on. Let, let me smell it. I want to pretend it's wine for a second. So it definitely has a really solid nose on it. You can smell uh, some different uh, herbs and uh, other flavors in there. It kind of initial flavors feels like... Well, initial nose flavor, I guess. Let me get a second shot here. I, I would definitely go with tasting it the same way you would taste wine is completely appropriate. So, I'm not sure what it is, but there's something in it that kind of warms the back of your nose, like the same way that you would if you were like smelling uh, either some like fresh mint or... Uh, fresh mint or like uh, even... Vicks, you know, something like that. <laughs> Keeping it classy today. So it's interesting that you said Vicks though. And part of the reason why I say that is because uh, a lot of these are or all got originally started as medicinal things, right? right? Like like a lot of alcohol. So it is, in fact, you know, to say Vicks and the fact that it's medicinal in that sense, not too far off the path, I guess. Okay, let's give this a shot and see how it tastes. So it's got a good kind of oily texture to it. Almost all of these are going to, yeah. Yeah, it's got it's not quite as uh, thin as you're going to see in your typical wine, but it's definitely got a pretty good mouthfeel. Well, uh, they are li- they are liqueurs, right. right? So they do have sugar added. Almost all of them, um, well, actually, all of them do. Um, this is a very even flavor, actually. The from the time it goes into your mouth, even through the uh, aftertaste, it's all very uniform. It's uh, mm-hmm. pretty mellow and yep, uh, good. Ah, ah I see, you it, almost yeah. you almost did it. Now I'm probably gonna have to go in and post edit out all the yummies and just put beeps instead <laughs> and start counting the beeps at the end and you, see how many you there can were. say yummy it's fine so, so i to me there is uh in this one in particular there's a little bit of a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of a uh, clove that comes out i don't know if you agree with that or not but yeah there's definitely a feeling a little bit of citrus in there too Something that kind of uh, uh, mellows out the clove and cinnamon. Yeah, there's like, a lot of these will use some sort of citrus in their recipe. Um, some more than others. I mean, I have them in here, but uh, Campari and Aperol both have really strong um, citrus notes to them. So I don't know. Like this is this is one of my favorite uh, Amaros that is new because I haven't had it until just recently. Okay. Um, it, it all got started because of trying to find uh, trying to find it to make a drink, and I like it's it's taken me six weeks I think to find this because it's been out of, out of stock at almost every liquor store I went to. So now, what drink were you trying to make with this? Uh, I talked about a little bit in the last podcast uh, called Paper Plane, um, and it uses uh, this bourbon, aperol, and uh, lemon juice, and it's equal parts of of, of all of four. it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it's a very balanced, very interesting drink. Um, I haven't actually made it with this yet. I've made it with a couple of other Amaros, or I, I should rephrase that. I've had it with a couple of other Amaros. 
the the weird thing about this, and I'm not having a hard time putting my finger on it, there is a sugary component to it, but it's by no means overbearing and almost like it's very subtle and in the background. It's just enough to flatten out the more aggressive notes. Yeah, it's it's not cloyingly sweet, but there is a sweetness to it. Yeah, like if you've had, um, so what I would say this is feels a little bit like is if you were to imagine that you had some amaretto, but it had um, not an amaretto flavor, but that same kind of feel mm-hmm. and that same kind of sugar in there. And, and I'm talking about in a good amaretto, not like a uh, you yeah. know one off the shelf that comes in a plastic bottle and you can get for six bucks for 30 gallons. Uh, <laughs> That's a, yeah, you can make some drinks it, off of that. <laughs> lots of drinks. Uh, but no, it's, it's, yeah, that's a very good analogy uh, or any other, like any other liqueur. It has that same right. mouthfeel. Um, it definitely is, I don't know. There's just something very nice about it. There is a bitter component, but like you don't taste it until the very end in my opinion. Yeah. It's a very subtle bitter. It's uh, almost not noticeable. You just have a little bit. What I will say about this is all of the flavors are balanced quite nicely. There's nothing in it that really is overbearing. And as you're drinking it, because I've had, oh, I don't know, four or five mouthfuls now. And each drink, you can kind of pick out some different flavors that you didn't notice before. As your mouth becomes accustomed to one, boom, new flavor moves in. Yeah, there's a... Um... There was something that was suggested to me uh, that it was uh, essentially not really suggested. There was a, there's another podcast that I had been uh, listening to that was with Alton Brown and dude, I love that guy. Yeah, um, so it was Alton Brown's podcast, and he had a guest on there that his name is uh, Souther Teague. Um, and he is the proprietor of a shop uh, that's called uh, Amor Yamargo, and it's in it's in New York. So, like, mm-hmm. if you happen to be there, stop by. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very super, super small bar. I think it sit, seats something like ten or twelve people. I mean, it's literally just a bar that you can walk up to, um, right. type thing. Uh, but it's nothing but a bitters emporium, and so. His rule for how, because it is so small, his rule for how he makes drinks is, I think he says it's brown, bitter, and stirred. Um, There's like no juices. There's no anything special made there. It's just Amaro's and Amaro-style liqueurs. And then a couple of, like he has, I think, at most two types of base spirit of anything. So he's got like... Hmm. So, a very simple stock, but I'm willing to bet he's able to generate a lot of different flavors. Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, so whenever he hires, like, whenever he hires a new bartender, th- the day is often uh, a very drunk day, he says, because, like, you basically, he has them go through and try all of the Amaros. Um, Can you imagine starting a job and, like, okay, so you're going to be a bartender here. I'm a little concerned that you don't, aren't familiar with all of our stock. So we're going to sit down, we're going to familiarize you with the stock, and what I want you to do is honestly do your best to try and remember the last half of the day. <laughs> that sounds like my first day working for you. I was hoping you'd remember, hmm, well, I was pretty sure after the first meeting you'd remember that everything else is going to be a blur. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but no, it's, it's, so one of his things is that, and the other thing is uh, they don't make cocktails off the first bottle of a new Amaro they get. 
so if they if they get manage to get like a case of some new Amaro, mm-hmm. and he's always on the lookout for new Amaros because there's what's well, his it's his niche, right? Which is niche, and there's like hundreds of them in you know out throughout Europe, and like there are distilleries in the state side that are starting to make them as well. Um, so finding new ones is is kind of his thing. But his comment about drinking a bottle before making any cocktails is like you can't. You can't make a good cocktail with this until you know what its flavor is. And well, just like what you said. Especially when you're talking about a wide range of variability. You don't want you if you want to make good cocktails, you can't just jam your arm in the cupboard and pull out something. Yeah. Well exactly. some cupboards you can. I'm guessing at your house mostly that would work. Um Uh well I yeah, I think I've got ten or twelve Amaros at my house right now. Um but you don't want to be careful with them because you're going to want to pair them appropriately. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm, right. going to, I'm going to grab the next one. What is the next one that we're going to be testing out? It looks like, nope, not that one. This one. Uh, so is that, say, Ramazzotti? Yes, it's Ramazzotti. Um, it's also a product of Italy, of course. Uh, all of these are from, from Italy. Uh, so this one's much darker in color. This is well past whiskey, and it's moving into... Um, I'm almost going to say a stout or a, uh, a, like if you're looking at a beer, it's kind of like a stout-ish color. Yeah, that's that's a good color descriptor for it. And it comes in a bottle that looks like a vodka bottle. <laughs> it, uh, and I should probably stop talking long enough to hand my glass to Aaron so I can move on with the important bits of the day. Oh, it actually, when it goes in the glass, it has a nice uh, a coffee kind of color to it. Like if you're just looking at straight uh, espresso or something. Ooh. This actually has, it's very aromatic. Like I haven't even put my nose in the glass and I can already smell it. Um, it almost, honestly, smells like cola. I'll admit the very first time I ever had this was at a restaurant at a suggestion of the bartender because I'd had two Amaros already and like I was just kind of surprised how many Amaros they had. And so he said to try this one next because I hadn't had it yet. And... The next day, I went out and bought a bottle of it, and then two <laughs> days later, I had to buy another bottle. Yeah. Um, so, first, like I said, first feelings on this one is it smells almost like a generic cola with hints of, uh, let me see what else I think is in there. I hadn't ever caught the cola note before, but like now that you've said that, like I can't not smell it, so... That is the weird thing about smells. It's currently overpowering my ability to do anything else. That's just uh, right there. There's definitely a spice in there. Um, if you take a, a big enough breath, you will you will get that same back of the nose burn that you were talking about from the last one, but it's not nearly as prominent off of this. Yeah, one. this one, There's you definitely can um, feel kind of some heat, but it's not near as much. I'm wondering, is this one lo- lo- lower in alcohol vault content? Checking that right now. <laughs> Because I know when there's alcohol in something, it tends to be somewhat aggressive on your nose. That's why a lot of folks, when they first have a whiskey or a bourbon even sometimes, it's or scotch, it kind of smacks them in the nose. It's because of all the alcohol. What would you find out on those? So the first one was 35%, and okay. this one's 30 Oh, that's weird. Um, so they're, they're pretty close. Yeah, it's not something I'm going to be able to discern nasally. So, so far, notes of cola, a little bit less of the... Um, Kind of Vicks heat feel. I'm actually going to take a drink right now. I couldn't wait for him. I had to take mine already. 
Well, this is good. Um, <laughs> damn it. I, I, I love how you almost sound shocked that I brought over nothing but good alcohol. Well, it's not that. It's there's a whole like there's as, different levels of as good, we were discussing right? uh, Amaro's especially. You were talking about you know the fairly wide range of what they are. Yeah. Um, this while being in the same family has a completely and utterly different flavor. Yeah. Than the previous Amaro, right? It's interesting. Like there's there's something about the flavor that reminds me a little bit of coffee. Um, it, I think it's how the bitter hits you is the same as coffee. Um, I would say this one honestly is less bitter than the Nonino, but it's also has less of a, um, even less of a syrupy feel, right? Like there's even less of that. Yeah. So what I'm currently dealing with is I really want to taste more of this, but I'm trying really hard not to pound the glass. <laughs> um, everybody out there has had um, cough syrup at some point. Yes. And you know how you have cough syrup and you kind of don't really like it because you put the cough syrup in your mouth and there's a half a second where you're like, oh, this isn't going to be as bad as, and then bam, cough syrup punches you in the mouth with this atrociously god-awful fake flavor of whatever it is. Yeah. Um, the promise of uh, <laughs> of this might not actually be bad is right here. As you drink this, you have that kind of initial, oh, this is really engaging. It makes me want to have more. And, and then just goodness after that. There's nothing that is like, there's none of the negative aspects you'd get from uh, your typical uh, cough syrup. Yeah. I, I would definitely not want to call this a cough syrup. That would just no, be, no, no. That would be appallingly that, bad. That it would be, be really, because this is a very well balanced, a little more on the sweet side and a little, the herbs are a little less uh, aggressive on this one, I would say. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I'm trying to think of... Um... They're, they're kind of so well-balanced, and I'm having a hard time really teasing out any particular flavors in here. There's some fruity flavor that I can't quite put my finger on. Well, it's, it's interesting because uh, there are so many flavors that will uh, potentially go into an Amaro, and we're talking about a relatively simple Amaro is probably going to have at least seven or eight spices in it. Right. And like some of the bigger ones, like there are some that will claim to have something close to like 20 some odd spices. And it's like, like how do you discern that? Like my tongue is just not that talented. You know, all you really need is 11 herbs and spices. It's good enough for the kernel. It's good enough for (sighs) I knew there was a joke. So like I actually like wanted to pull this up just, uh, just to read it just because it's it's useful, I think, in this particular context, is that, so Amaro is flavored with several, sometimes several dozen herbs and roots. Um, some producers list their ingredients in detail on the bottle label. I have never seen that, so I don't know where they're getting that little comment from, but... Well, maybe because you can't actually read the fine print. Uh, that I'll, I'll let you see the fine print later. There's no, there's no listing on any of those. But it goes on, it says, herbs used for flavoring uh, may include any of the following. So this is just may include some of them. So gentian root, angelica, uh, cardin, uh, king, uh, I can't pronounce that right now. I don't know why. Uh, lemon balm, lemon verbana, juniper, anise, fennel, zadora, ginger, mint, thyme, sage, uh, citrus peels, licorice, cinnamon, menthol, cardamom, saffron, uh, rue. menthol. That's probably what I've been getting in some of these. Is possible. Little, that, yeah. That's what does the uh, nose thing. Uh, wormwood and elderflowers. So all of those are like potential. 
um, potential flavorings that you'd get in there. And that's just some of them. And the interesting thing about it is, I don't know about you, but I'm guessing most people, if you say, hey, uh, we've used elderflowers in here, can you taste it? Don't actually have a flavor comparison to know an elderflower is going to taste no. like. Um, or even ginseng. I mean, yeah. I mean, for I mean, I can give you things to, to. I can give you things to taste that would give you that flavor profile, right? Like elderflower. Uh, if you get uh, Saint Germain, that's that's. I have a whole bottle of Saint Germain in the office. So it's one of the only bottles that nobody drinks. I, think, I don't understand why either, because I like it. I think that's the bottle that I brought in yeah. when I was making the drink, like the first week that I was there mm-hmm. or whatever. I guess technically probably Lizzie did, but whatever. I think you told me what to buy, and I went to the store for it. Mm. But, yeah. That might have been it, yeah. Yeah, I'm usually good at funding liquor for team meetings. Yeah. All right. Uh, What did you taste in here? Like, did you grab any uh, individual elements of anything? Uh, To me, there's some cardamom. I think there's a little bit of... uh, I'm getting the slightest flavor of licorice, whether that's actual licorice or anise, I'm not sure. Um, there's definitely a little bit of a citrus in there, but I couldn't tell you what citrus. Yeah, it doesn't feel like lemons or uh, limes, weirdly. No, it could be grapefruit. Um, grapefruit gets used quite a bit in these. Um, could also be any number of somewhat regional uh Somewhat regional citrus. quats or things like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next one, and right now we're both trying to uh, clean out our glasses and our palates. Um, uh, just an interesting side note, if you are interested in trying to do tastings, um, and I'm going to go ahead and just speak because I've done a lot of wine tasting over the years, um, and this is probably my first Amaro tasting I've done, most decidedly is, but uh, one of the things that can happen is your mouth can start to get shot very quickly because your flavors get all full. Yeah, I was worried about bringing even over the five that I brought over just for that exact reason. Um, So this next one is Averna. It is 29% by volume. Um, This is kind of the last little bit of this bottle, obviously. Okay, this is another darker in color sort of in the uh, coffee range. Yeah, definitely. It has a really swanky bottle. It's got some... uh, Yellow and red. There does seem to be a lot of red on the labels of uh, the Amaros so far. Well, it's Italian, you know. Sport cars, red. They had extra left over from the red and white tablecloths. <laughs> so, um, after we're done with some Amaros today, I might talk about the awesome French food I had last night. <laughs> uh, so, this is Averna. It looks like there's a bunch of uh, um, swanky little gold filigree on the uh, box. Are these from... uh, Hold on, let me take a look at the bottle here. I'm actually looking here to see if it actually says anything of what's in it. Uh, So far, I haven't found anything. Go ahead and finish that off. Might as well. Okay. Ooh, this is a Sicilian specialty made of herbs, roots, and made from a recipe that was given... To the Averna family in 1868. So see, like, again, claiming basically 19th century formula and not changed since probably, or not changed much. Yeah. Um, do you know if some of these, I'll give that back to you. Do you know if these uh, are familial uh, 
Actually, is it a distillery when it's a uh, a Maro? Or what, what do they call a place that manufactures liqueurs? They're still distilleries, yeah. Okay, so it's not a liqueurery? <laughs> it's a really hard word to say. Uh, no, it's still a distillery. Um, and a lot of the Amaros, like, most of these are off of a neutral spirit. Um, so just essentially, you know, a grain alcohol that's completely neutral. Some of them are based off of wines or fortified wine, um, but... That's more like your vermouth style. Right. So first uh, hint on this one, just just jamming my nose in it. It is. It does not have any of the menthol or any of the really heavy attack on your nose at all. No, very strong licorice smell, though, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And again, this is very, even in the glass, it's very dark. Again, looks kind of like uh, an espresso shot would look. Um, or possibly a stout. And I'm so uh, there's it, a, there's some spice that I can't quite ever pick out. That's like I'm smelling it again on this one. I smelled it on the Nonino, and I smelled it on this one. I'm not quite sure what it is. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> anytime that I have that feeling, whether it's well, anything, cooking, wine, whatever, I always assume somebody jammed all spice in it just to mess up you. <laughs> Because seriously, allspice is used everywhere, and depending on what you're pairing it with, it really kind of can shift its own flavor. Yeah, it's true. Um, I love allspice dram. Like, as a a liqueur, it's just basically allspice liqueur. Um, It is amazing, especially as we're going into fall. It makes just great fall and winter drinks. It just brings out a... I don't know. I've had people describe it in the past as like it's Christmas in a glass type thing. Of we, we should uh, for the next show do Christmas liqueur or Christmas <laughs> alcohol because there's this we're uh, like shooting ourselves with the foot in that one because that's that's assuming that we'll get another show out before Christmas and that we actually follow through on a on so one of a, our statements. I think it would be awesome to have a Christmas episode in August. So next August <laughs> and August, like we could do a couple of Christmas shows in a row. It'll be fine. Okay. Then we'll do our musical episode. It'll be great. I'm okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. I'm actually going to go ahead and give this a try. See what it tastes like. I should probably say something just to keep the air going, but he's got a really concerned look on his face. Well, so as I've been drinking this, I've been doing it much like I would with wine, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'll take some in my mouth, I'll suck some air through it to really kind of increase the aromatics in my mouth, give my mouth a better chance to, to taste stuff. And with this one, um, hold on. It, there's a flavor in there that I don't want. Like, Have you ever seen those posters um, of wine tasting? <laughs> no. Okay, yeah, like, you know, yeah, I've seen a poster before. It's like the Nagel poster that's up in every uh, college. Yeah, kids. exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Scream. Ah, whatever. Um there's the poster of wine flavor profiles, right? And oh, you have yeah, okay. everything's from like peaty to loamy to cat piss to like, <laughs> literally, there's some of them you're looking at going, I absolutely do not want to know <laughs> how you know what that tastes like, right? Yeah. But as I'm drinking this, I'm getting a very, uh, let's say, almost tobacco-y and licorice flavor to it, Right. Um, and I'm not talking about like cigarette tobacco. I'm talking about like mm-hmm. 
fresh, honest tobacco that you can smell and go, ooh, that smells good. Not like nicotine like and tar and all that yeah, jazz. Yeah. Like the tobacco you get off of a, of a cigar rather, or pipe tobacco as opposed to a cigar. Yeah, it's, it's more the pipe tobacco feeling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, occasionally we had some friends that lived in England and they'd come back with this uh, licorice that was some kind of British licorice. And it was almost a tobacco-y, licorice-y flavor. And that's really what I'm kind of pulling out of this. I could see that, yeah. Um, there's definitely licorice flavor here for me. There is also a... Um, I don't know. There's something else in there that, that, that is kind of... Kind of reminds me of, of like, fennel, almost. Um, mm-hmm. What, what do you think is giving the sweet here? Because there is a really solid sweet component running through here yeah in my opinion this is the sweetest of, of this group um and it is kind of known for being one of the more sweet amaros there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of bitter in the way that most people would think of bitter right because i think when you tell most people that something's going to be bitter their thought is almost sour bitter, right? Right. This has, uh, to me, almost no bitter to it. Yeah. This is a very even, very um, sweet uh, flavor. It's very, it is definitely, um, I think it just might just be the fact that it's the lower alcohol content and it might have an actual decent amount of sugar added. Um, Since they are a liqueur, right? They do add sugar. and Do they have a limit to the amount of sugar they can add to make it an Amaro? Or is there... Because I know some folks are very, well, some liquors and or liqueurs are very picky about once you've done too much of this, it ceases to be mm. whatever we've been making. Having never gotten that far into the distillation process for tomorrow, I honestly don't know if there is one. Um, I, I think that for the most part, what I have seen is people talk about the idea of Amaro being just an Italian bitter liqueur. Hmm. Okay. Um, So I'm now to the gulping stage on this one because it's super yummy. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard not to use words like that. It's fine. I mean, I mean, look, look. Uh, so far, we haven't had a single one of these that I haven't used "good" or "yummy" on at least once. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it it I, is better though. Uh, when so, and I'm going to take just a tiny little diatribe here. My wife and I go wine tasting a lot. And I'm sort of a huge wine snob. Uh, I had the good fortune, we'll say, in my youth to be friends with a sommelier who also worked for a wine distributor. So good wine was easy to come by, and we had good wine all the time. So once, uh, you know, I was on my own... uh, it was really hard to go out and find a wine that I liked because a lot of the stuff at the grocery store mm, can be okay. I mean, it's not bad wine, but it's not something I'm going to go, you know, rave about to my friends. So as we're wine tasting, uh, my wife, who is, you know, she's gotten a much better palate over the years, but she started out just thinking, I like the red stuff. Now she, you know, knows the difference between varietals. She knows what's supposed to taste like what. She has some of her favorites. And... Over years and years of wine tasting, which happens anytime you 
get into a new drink. Well, yeah, and, and that's why there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, yeah. uh, honestly, this Most is... people like to be snobs about it, but there's no need to be. No, you shouldn't be. I mean, honestly, this is the first time I've had this many Amaros all at once. <laughs> and, man, am I missing out, because there's a bunch of, like, really awesome uh, flavors in here. Caught myself that time. I, I noticed it. it. <laughs> um, but when we're wine tasting, it's she's like, oh, how do you think? I'm like, oh, it's not bad. She's like, hmm, you don't like it. Counterpoint that with my something that I really like. Hmm, that's not bad. <laughs> like, that is my go-to response no matter what. Because nine times out of ten when we're uh, out doing wine tasting, we're at small vineyards sitting right across from the guy that made it or the lady that made it, right? And the last thing I want to be is that asshole that's standing in somebody else's house going, your food sucks. Wow. Because that's, that's just a side of you that I haven't seen. You're like concerned with what someone else thinks. Really? Come on. I'm concerned with the person that's serving me alcohol. Oh, that's true. Yeah, fair enough. There are a couple of classes of folks that you are absolutely 100% nice to no matter what. They're the your bartender people, is one of them. Your bartender, anybody that brings you food, and your admin at work. Yeah, those are all true. Honestly, I don't know anybody else. That's the, them. Period. End of story. So, yeah. I find ways to ensure that I don't actually uh, offend the person offend giving you alcohol. The person giving me alcohol. Good to know. Yeah. yeah, the more you know. In case you didn't know that, people, that's how you should live your life. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, yeah. Well, it'll help you out on like your your bar selection, right? Because if you are friendly with the bartender, the bartender is going to be more friendly with you, and no one wants spit in their food. And the admin thing might be kind of like limited to just people who work in. Corporate jobs. Corporate jobs. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, they're an important person to keep happy. Oh, you keep them happy no matter what. Our admin is super, like my admin, you know, the one that my boss has, she is super awesome. There have been any number of times I've gone to her and said, hi, I'm an idiot and can't figure this out. Can you help me? <laughs> and she's like, that sounds really hard. I'm going to go see what I can do. And I'm like, thank you. And they always seem to find the answer or find the person who knows the answer or something. It's exactly. like, that is They've a got skill some magic network have. that I just yeah. don't understand. It's the admin network, I think. Is that next to CNN? <laughs> All right. Let's grab the next one and All see right. what we've got. So this is our fourth, right? Yes, this will be number four. Uh, this is Aperol. Um, and can I see that bottle again? Uh, this looks like high C. <laughs> fruit punch uh, uh, it is it is bright bright red it is in bright color. red um, um and now as my uh hi, or yeah my high school chemistry teacher would say it is a colorless liquid that is red <laughs> uh this one is 11 percent by volume okay so this, so is, this like, is almost look. no alcohol in it yeah um all right so here we go now, is this one also from... I assume all of these are from Italy. Oh, he's nodding. Just in case you guys are listening can't hear Aaron's head bobbing right now. I wasn't next to the microphone. I was pouring. So it was kind of hard to like say yes and have you hear it as opposed to just nod my head and then have Zach repeat it. Yeah, and honestly, as a uh, person that has to edit this, I'm super happy when folks recognize when they're not near their mic that there's you know, other options that they have and can give me an opportunity to vamp. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm usually happy when I get to talk. <laughs> I've never noticed that about you. And have you ever actually edited these? I'm trying to remember. Yes. I edited our last podcast. I cut almost a minute and a half of blank space off of the beginning of it. Oh, well, there you go. 
That counts as editing. That, that, yeah, that does. So just for reference, like I I'd mentioned earlier, and Zach didn't believe me, that these things don't really say a whole lot in their bottle. So the front of this literally just says Aperol, Aperitivo, Liqueur, original recipe since 1919, based on an infusion of selected herbs and roots. So this one is has by far the most interesting flavor and like the interesting smell first, right? Super um, citrus. It is super citrusy. It is there is absolutely no none of the menthol feeling to it, right? It is yeah. just a noseful of uh, citrusy sweet yumminess. I often refer to this as Campari light, um, just because the flavor profile to me is very similar to Campari, but it is not as strong as Campari. Um, Aperol Spritz, amazing drink. I talked about it earlier. It's just basically just Aperol, Prosecco, and which is the Italian version of Champagne. Um, and then uh, um, soda water, right? And it's just they're they're really easy to drink. They go down way too easy, actually. They, they count as a dangerous drink. They are a dangerous drink. You don't recognize how much alcohol you're consuming because it tastes so well balanced that it almost feels like water. Yeah, and like I mean, let's let's face it. Prosecco uses the same type of yeast as champagne does to get that whole bubbly component. Bubbly component, which actually is a higher. It affects you in a different way than normal alcohol, so it can usually tend to get you buzzed quicker. A lot of people will say. Um, so it like it's just a really dangerous drink, but it's good. So I just took my first drink. It has definite grapefruit flavor to it to me. Like it, that's right there on the front. It is well known for being a largely grapefruit based. Uh, uh, Amaro. So the fact that you pick that out just like helps to show that, right? That's probably the strongest flavor is is a grapefruit, right? Yeah, and there's a there's a whole ton of sweet in there that really minimizes the bite of the grapefruit. Like I'm personally not a huge fan of grapefruit because grapefruit tends to have a somewhat metallic-y after flavor for me. Okay, yeah. Um, I could see that. Now. If you take a ton of brown sugar, put it all over the top of the grapefruit, and you bake that shit, oh yeah, that is good. Um, but again, that's because the sugar's cutting out the more acidy, uh, metallic the components acid, of it. Cutting out the metallic components. Cutting out the, the, the bitter components that you get from grapefruit. I'm having... So, while most of the others had a very herbal feeling to them where you could actually taste some kind of concoction, you know, some kind of mixture of different elements... It's hard I, to pick out any sort of herb. I'm, yeah, I'm not really feeling any herbs here. I'm feeling um, a lot of citrusy overtones. There's something that's kind of running through the middle in there that's tying not just the grapefruit, but as you give it some more taste, there's something. There's another citrusy feel in there with something binding them together. Not sure what that is. I'm going to go take another drink here and see if I can uh, figure it out. It may be... It maybe like an orange in there a little bit. That might be what you're thinking. I, I don't know, but like, you're definitely right though. This has very very strong citrus flavors. Um, there is a decent amount of sugary component that keeps that at bay from being too bitter um, because it is such a low alcohol by volume. It has almost none of the alcohol bite. I mean, this is at this point this is the same alcohol by volume as your typical wine, right? Maybe even a little bit lower than wine. 
I would say probably lower than the wine I drink, but... It's lower than the wine I drink, too. I'm just like, <laughs> there are wines that are low-ish, percentage-wise, right? It does have kind of a warm flavor, though, too. I'm not sure what would be causing that, but... What flavor? Warm. Like warm. A, warm as a flavor. I'm kind of lost on that one, but okay. Well, think about it. When you've had um, uh, maybe some Thai food, right? And it has a nice, uh, it's got the spicy to it, which you get. But you also get that sort of, uh, um, I can't even describe it right now, warm. I was waiting for that. I'm pretty sure that describing, using the word to describe the feeling that you're trying to describe that you've already used is not helpful for folks listening. Probably not. Oh, you know what we should have done? We should have turned to Daniel drinking game and told people, this is what you need to listen to the podcast. And they could have drank along with next podcast. Um, like, you know, we'll keep this one going. We should start a new one called drink with me. (laughs) And basically instead of it being a drinking game, it's a drinking conversation where we try different alcohols and talk about what we like about them, which is kind of what we've been doing the last two of these. Yes, it is. And maybe we maybe we renamed the episode or the podcast. But if we could actually tell people in advance, which takes planning that neither one of us are going to be able to do. That being said, by the time we post it, they could just go to the store with a shopping list now and drink right along with us. It's true. They could. Okay. I have just copyrighted that drink with me thing. <laughs> Both listeners, if you try and steal this idea, don't do it better than us. <laughs> uh, well, we could keep the name or we can change the name. I'm okay with either. We could even have a section called drink with me. Yeah, uh, uh, That's where we're going to go. go. That, that's it. Okay, back to drinking. Uh, well, so I, I mean, like, yeah, I trying to figure out how to like put this back into. I was going to do it at the end of tasting all of them, putting this like into context with cocktails that I've had, but um, we can do that because I think there's one wow, more left. There's there is something in here that I am just not putting my finger on. Uh, you should try your tongue instead. Wait, you don't drink with your fingers? Mm-hmm. Shit! I knew I was doing something wrong. Ba-dum-bum. Yeah, that was bad, I know. Drum set's right there if you want to actually try and give us a rim shot. I can't, so... Oh, I can, but... I don't think I've ever actually sat behind a drum set, so... I haven't done that since this morning. Okay, so let's polish this one off. Uh, Unless you can tell me what it is I'm tasting that I can't describe. No, I think there is some sort of bittering agent root that's in there that I don't know what it is. It could be... I I think you're definitely right. It's much more in the rooty flavor than the... uh, and not to say that it tastes like dirt or anything, right? It's no, yeah. I mean, like the two it things might even be a ginger kind of. It could be ginger because you know ginger can actually warm up when you're having sushi or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's what I'm tasting. There in could here. be a bit of ginger in here. Ginger goes well with citrus, um, and it it would, would definitely what, be a bittering agent or a bittering fruit or yeah, a bittering root rather. That's one of the. F- I'm not usually a huge fan of ginger. It was more of a Marianne person yourself. Exactly. Much more of a Marianne. But um, once you add ginger and citrus together, I'm all of a sudden okay shorter and closer to your size. Mm-hmm. Okay. Duh. Plus, you like, seriously, do you know what kind of... I am a high-maintenance person to start with. It's true. You are. You cannot slap in another high-maintenance person and expect it to work. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It could, be, it could be ginger. It could be... Um, could be ginseng root. It also could possibly be uh, quinine, like so the same, oh, okay. like like this tonic water, right? Right. I don't know that I'm actually going to be able to put a flavor to ginseng root. 
it's been in a ton of stuff that I've eaten and or drank, but it's not a flavor that I can pick out individually. So I cheated when I started getting into the idea of doing bitters. One of the things that someone suggested was rather than trying to make bitters following a recipe to do very small infusions of all of the flavors that you're going to do. So basically take a, a base, pure, overproof alcohol. like uh, So like um, either overproof vodka or like Everclear, something that's a neutral, right. high proof. And then taking each of the individual components that you would use in bitters, doing a, a week-long, two-week-long infusion in that, Mm-hmm. straining it out and then tasting it on the alcohol. So that's how I got, like, I now know what ginseng root tastes like because of doing this. Right. And that's the the right kind of intentional approach if you want to actually learn how to make the right kinds of flavors and really bring what it is you're looking to deliver to the drink, right? Yeah, exactly. And then this last one, I just, I, I had to because it is the the one that's most often known Campari. Campari. So this looks very similar to the Aperol. It is very well known um, as far as like this is the this is the Amaro that you will find in almost any bar, right? Because it gets used in a lot of cocktails. It gets used in a Negroni. It gets used in a Boulevardier. Um, there's other cocktails that it gets used in. Um, and you can just do Campari and soda. Um, the Americano that I had mentioned earlier, which is basically equal parts this sweet vermouth, and soda water. Um, Those are all pretty standard, well-known cocktails that you can find often at bars. Um, Like they'll be on the menu at a bar type thing. Um, So I had to to bring this. I also had to bring it for last because it is by far the most bitter. Okay. Well, let's give this a go. 24%. 24% alcohol. I am... Excitedly waiting as it's okay. There we go. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. And again, this is uh, the same colors you're going to see on like a high C fruit punch or cherry Kool Aid. And it actually doesn't look like some of these have been a little on the oily side. This does not look that way, at least based off of what I'm seeing on the glass. <laughs> Let's give it a taste test here, a smell test. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely not as oily as Ooh. the others. So uh, this has definitely, hold on, it's got a little bit of the menthol Mm -hmm. in your nose. It's got, I think I smelled a little grapefruit in there. I'm not positive. This one's also pretty high on the citrus content. So um, there's a little bit of grapefruit and orange and one other, I think, that's like kind of known. I I can't call it off the top of my head now, but. So we talked about this earlier, but this definitely has that, uh, not Christmas and not an American holiday, but there is definitely some holiday in this glass right now. I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, okay. I, it's not Christmas and not an American holiday. So, Which means it's probably an actual holiday, not one that was made up to sell greeting cards. So an Italian holiday maybe because it's Campari. But it's possible. Do, do they even have holidays in Italy? I don't know. I would assume so. Hmm. Interesting. I, I've never actually been to Italy, so I can't... It's on my list of places I want to go. Like, uh, Italy would be fun. Uh, there's a lot of Italian wines I like, so super stoked about that. Um, Greece, actually, I think would be sweet to go to. 
Um, apparently, though, like it's not a great idea to go to a country that just like fucking like rolled over and said, "No, we have no money," or whatever. I guess feels like it would be super cheap, though. <laughs> oh, oh my I'm just God. saying. I really yeah, liked no, going it, to Canada when the Canadian dollar was, uh, you know, half of what ours was. That is a fair point. I cannot argue with that. Um, I'm enjoying watching him take a like sniff, and then he does this weird little like cock oh. his head and try and figure out what's going on. The thing is, is like as I'm trying out new drinks, I do like to try and experience as much as I can going into it to know what I'm going to get. No, it makes sense. I'm, I'm not really giving you a bad time. It's just fun to watch. There's something in the smell that I'm having a hard time putting my finger on, so I'm just going to go ahead and give it a taste and see what happens. So I'm curious about this one because by far this is the most bitter flavored one. So this is a taste that definitely matures in your mouth. What you have initially is not what you end with. No, definitely true. You as so just finished my first mouthful. I'm trying to process the flavors in my mouth. Um, initially, you had some of the uh, flavor, like the citrusy flavors. They were pretty right there at the forefront. But they quickly gave way to a... I'm going to go ahead and say some kind of a peaty flavor. Um, huh. And I don't know that I ever would have called it that, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah. And that sort of opens up to an interesting... Hold on. I need to get another taste here because coming up with words to describe the first half made me forget the second half. No, it's fine. It's it's definitely a very, very strong flavor. A lot of people do not like Campari uh, when they first try it, especially. Um, I think that it is... Well, go ahead. I was going to say, I, was, I, think, I think that it's, it's, it's well known for a couple of cocktails, but like Negroni being the, the, the most the most well-known one, um, it's not... Uh, it's not a drink for everybody for sure, but well, I can see why folks would be turned off on this. I mean, not, not that it's bad. Cause I actually really dig it. Um, for me, there's been a couple of nights where I've, you know, jammed my arm into the cupboard and pulled out a spirit, poured it into my glass, had a quick little swig of it. I was like, Ugh, this is fucking horrible. What, what, what even is, I reached into the cupboard expecting to pull out a rum, ended up pulling out a scotch, that's a big, huge difference. Huge difference in flavor. Yes. When it hits my mouth, I'm expecting a rum. I get a scotch. Yeah, and they're just not going to be the same, right? Even no. the most, even the most mellow scotch, compared to the most intense rum, they're just so different flavor profile, yeah. right? So, and I set the glass down. I'm like, what the? Can rum turn? What the <laughs> hell is going? Oh, scotch. That's a pretty good scotch, <laughs> right? Because, you know, that's how it works. So there's a lot of, uh, I think, uh, expectation involved in alcohol. Yeah, it's and true. coming in with no expectation of what something's going to taste like and then trying to figure out a way to describe it is hard. Now, with the rest of these, I would definitely put them in the... And this is going to be... I'm sorry for anybody that's listening because this is probably an appallingly horrible thing to say. But 
you're looking at some kind of hybrid between uh, DiSerono or Amaretto and either um, Absinthe or Absinthe. what's the other? It comes Sambuca? in yellow or green. Oh, Chartreuse? Chartreuse, yeah. So all of the ones we've had so far, you can definitely feel bits of the more liqueur aspects that you're going to see in Di Sirono or Amaretto mm-hmm. and the flavors that you're going to get out of a chartreuse. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, it's A lot of it comes this, down to the fact that it's just all the herbals that like you just add yeah. so many in there. This is completely different from everything else we've drank so far. I mean, it's in the same ballpark, but it is much more... There's more going on flavor-wise in here mm-hmm. than you... Than, the rest of them were t- tended to be, uh, well, you know, it's like, oh, hey, here's the flavor I'm going to land on, and it stuck with it. That didn't really mature much in your mouth as you were drinking it. This one actually changes over time. Yeah, I could see that. I, th- I think the biggest difference is also kind of why I jokingly call Aperol Campari Light is is because if you think about it, the flavor profile of the Aperol being the, the citrus, and that's almost about it. This is right. the same citrus flavor, but much more going on afterwards, and it finishes off much more bitter. Um, which is also how come it plays well into drinks like the Negroni, which is, depending on who's making it, it's either it's either equal parts Campari, sweet vermouth, and gin, mm-hmm. or since it's considered a gin cocktail, I personally, I know a lot of other bartenders as well, tend to... Um, basically go, um, rather than equal parts, they double up on the gin compared to the right. to the sweet vermouth and Campari. And that makes for a, more of the gin coming out. Um, but like if you imagine this in a glass with gin, this strongly overpowers most gins. Well, yeah, like um, I'm, there's not a lot of gins that I'm a huge fan of. There's a couple. Um but I can imagine if you were to put this with gin, it would be a very interesting pairing, mm-hmm. right? Because with the gin, you usually have a crisp, clean flavor with, depending on your gin, uh, either a Christmas tree or uh, cucumbers, <laughs> right? Um, now, once you add in there a... Breaks me every time you say that, but like, go for it. Continue. Well, like, seriously, now, if you look it- at most gins that people drink... They taste like a goddamn Christmas tree. All right. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue that. So it's because you'd be wrong. Um, but once you add that, and and let's just assume that we're using actually a good gin, because <laughs> why would you use anything else that you mix with this? You have a very clean, crisp flavor coming from the gin, and this brings you a more um, earthy flavor. Yeah. And so mixing those two together could actually do some really interesting things if done right. Yeah, and it's interesting. I don't particularly like... So I know that you love Hendrix. I don't particularly like Hendrix with uh, Campari. I don't think it would be a good it's pairing not, because not a good pairing, yeah. the Campari would absolutely just power past Hendrix. One of the things I like about Hendrix is it's just kind of a mellow flavor. Uh, Botanist is a good uh, gin that goes with this. Uh, so is Aviation. Um, on the stronger flavored and stronger alcohol level, um, I am a huge fan of a local distillery... Um, called Three Howls. Um, they make two gins, one of which is a navy strength. So navy strength is is 
57% alcohol by volume. So it's like 100 and, what was that, 114 proof. I wasn't actually paying attention. I'm going to mock your math skills, but good job. I was taking notes, so. Uh, uh, why are you mocking my math skills? I think that's right. I've seen your math skills. I've, I'm assuming you're wrong, even though I didn't hear the equation. <laughs> 57% alcohol by volume. Mm-hmm. 114 proof. Damn, good work. Multiply by two. I know, it's rough. Um, I'm still hungover. What are you talking about? <laughs> Piker. I know. Um, you should just stop getting hangovers. They suck. Yeah, they do. Um, no, but it uh, it's a overproof gin, right? So it's stronger. Um, so you don't have to drink as much of it, but it has a really good flavor, and like it pairs well with a Campari. You know the interesting thing about a comp- the Campari is I taste it a lot more in the back of my throat than I do the front. Does that make sense? I mean, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but the flavor definitely migrates more towards the, uh, not the nasally side of the back of your head, but kind of more in the back. You have a little bit of a flavor on the tip of your tongue when you first take a sip. And then basically as you swallow, like the flavor profile changes as like, I don't know the better way of describing it. It's, it, Literally changes and moves towards the back of your tongue, back yeah. of your throat. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, I would really like to see where that goes and what uh, what good cocktails you could use, you could make out of that. So let's actually dive into that. So we've had five separate amaros, and each of them has had a uh, a taste that goes somewhere from herbally to citrusy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, which is a whole lot of opportunity for really interesting and good cocktails. Yeah. So I have basically, other than the Nonino, which I just got, I have a favorite cocktail that I make out of all all of those. Um, Campari, I actually, I prefer bourbon over gin as a general rule. I am a huge fan of Boulevardiers, which are essentially the same idea as a Negroni, except for it's a bourbon base as opposed to a gin base. And you have to use a bourbon that is, I shouldn't say you have to, you want to use a bourbon that has a pretty good flavor uh, by itself, that's kind of strong, um, just so that you get some of that bourbon notes out of it. Give uh, me an example. What's, a, what's a, a bourbon that you would use? Well, so like on the, the, the moderate priced end, you could do Bullet is really good with it, um, Buffalo Trace. Um, is also a fairly decent bourbon to use for a Boulevardier. Uh, I happen to really love Ula's whiskey. Um, How do you spell that? O-O-L-A. Um, they are a distillery in Seattle, um, and they make really, really good bourbon. They make uh, two different, or I guess they call it an American whiskey, but um, <laughs> they make two really good um, examples of it. Uh, one's a, a stronger strength, right? Um, right. Right. And so you'd actually want to use a stronger strength one for the um, RDA. Uh, well, the flavor profile isn't that much different. It's just alcohol content. Um, you, you can use the stronger one. Um, but I like Boulevardiers enough that like today I actually put together in an aging kit all of the ingredients for a Boulevardier and I started aging uh, what will end up being nearly a gallon of Mm -hmm. this drink that will be like aged for a month in a barrel so let's talk about the uh elements that you put into that aging barrel 
And then um, after we get through that, I will mock you for having your own aging barrel. <laughs> so uh, what did you use? Uh, well, so it's Campari. So I used uh, essentially half a bottle of Campari, um, 350 milliliters to be exact, or 375. Um, and then... Um, what? Showing off the math skills. I, well, Multiplication yeah. and division by two. If so impressed. I know, I know. Well, you asked for these specifics. I was trying to give specifics. Shut the fuck up. Um, and then the same amount of sweet vermouth. I actually used the um, Dolan sweet vermouth. Um, D-O-L-I-N. Um, it's a really good, in my opinion, um, vermouth that's not, it's not overly expensive. I didn't want to go with, like... Mm-hmm. My, my most favorite one, which is like three or four times the cost of Dolan. So, right. um, and then I did a uh, full um, bottle of, uh, I used Bullet this time. And that all goes into the barrel. And you used the Bullet bourbon? Yeah. And that all goes in the barrel and uh, you just kind of like, I mean, that that's it, right? You just let it sit for, I'm going to let it sit for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably a bit longer than is absolutely needed, but um, it just you end up getting a better flavor that way. So right now, uh, so before I mock Aaron on the aging kit thing, which I'm kind of jealous on, um, the theory here is that uh, as you know, when you're distilling, there's a certain amount of uh, value that is brought by letting your alcohol sit in oak barrels, or sometimes charred oak barrels, or sometimes oak barrels that were used for uh, wine or port or whatever, because whatever was previously in there is still in the wood. You now are jamming all of your alcohol in there. It has a chance to absorb some additional flavors that it wouldn't have otherwise. Yes. So when you're talking about an aged cocktail, most cocktails are put together right as you speak. Like they grab this out of the bottle, they grab that out of the bottle, they just shake it all together, bam, put it in a glass, you're done. So when you're talking aged cocktails, though, you take the same constituent elements, you put them in an aging barrel, and the cocktail actually has a chance to kind of gel with all of the different elements that's put in there and absorb whatever is available inside of the, uh, um, that's still in the wood or whatever you've got it yeah. aging in. And the theory is that it will give you a different flavor than you would have gotten if you just jammed it all together to start with. Yeah, it's in... It ends up being oftentimes a slightly more mellow flavor. It's kind of the same thing of like you take you take a white whiskey and throw it into an aging kit. Or, or For those of you that don't know what a white whiskey is, a white whiskey is basically a whiskey that's come right out of the um, still and it hasn't done any aging yet at all. Yeah, exactly. So like it's straight off the still. It usually is very overproof. Um, yep. And uh, you let it sit in the barrel. And, like, as it sits in the barrel, it slowly mellows and matures, takes on those aspects of, of the wood that it's being aged in. And so kind of the same idea with a cocktail, right? You, you, you take that same yep. cocktail and it mellows everything out. So I've had an aged Negroni in the past, and it ends up being that, like, everything just has the same flavors, but it's a little bit more mellow. So, like, there isn't as much of a hit from the Campari. It's been mellowed a little bit. Yeah, I've had a number of aged cocktails in my time, and I have to say, they're super yummy. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to have to be making a, an aged Boulevardier. So, where did you pick up your uh, aging kit? Um, so, I originally got this one from Woodenville Whiskey. Um, they sell an aging kit uh, that's, I think it's like $150, and it comes with the 
It comes with two whiskey nosing glasses, the barrel itself, which is a charred barrel, and then two bottles of the White Dog Whiskey. And I already spent two months of aging the White Dog Whiskey in the barrel, so it's been aging whiskey. Okay. So it's no longer White Dog. It's now actually started to soak up some color. Yeah, it's not... I mean, I... I I bottled it back into its original bottle so I could do the Bavardier today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's good. It's not as good as like a full aging. Like, it could have right. gone probably another month to be better. Um, but like part of my idea was to continually reuse this aging kit to do other things. So, like, Which I means wanted... you don't want to have too much of any one particular flavor jammed into the barrel. Not just that, but like I, I really wanted to start the Bavardier and like... I also plan on taking one of the bottles that came out of the White Dog Whiskey that like went in there originally mm-hmm. and do an aged um, aged Manhattan next. Ooh. Uh, but use that same bourbon that or whiskey that I originally started to age in it. So it will go back in there, but with sweet vermouth. Have we talked Manhattans on the show yet? No. Okay. I don't that think might, so anyways. That might be a good... Like, I mean... Given the four episodes we've had, there's a lot of history there, and it's really hard to remember what we've talked about. Yeah, I know. It's hard. So, yeah, let me know when you do the Manhattans, because that, like uh, that sounds like a whole episode right there. Yeah, that will be, that'll be good. That'll be fun. There's so much you can do with a Manhattan. Like, mm-hmm. if you use bourbon or rye, it makes a difference. Which vermouth you use makes a difference. Yep. There's the idea of the perfect rye Manhattan, which is basically using rye, but then you also use... You split the vermouth between sweet and dry vermouth. Ooh. Um, so, like, there's there's all things you can do with a Manhattan that make it really interesting. Nice. Okay, I think that about does it for us. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about on Campari's? Sorry, not Campari. But, uh, on Amaro's, yeah. yeah. Um, no, not really. I mean, like, I, I could go over really quick the other recipes, but, like... Okay. Tell you what, why don't we have you post some of the recipes online on the website, which isn't up yet. We can do that, yeah. But send them to me an email. I will definitely link them in the show notes (laughs) and uh, get the website up and running. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. All right.